you turn to Matthew chapter 5 this morning, and we pick up, or Matthew chapter 10 this morning, picking up at verse 5, Matthew 10, 5 to 15. These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles. Pause, you may skip Elto. Again, verse 5. These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles, and into any of any city of the Samaritans enter ye not, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and as ye go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I've never preached that. I don't expect to ever preach that. Verse 8, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely ye have received, freely give. Provide neither gold nor silver nor brass in your purses, nor script for your journey, neither two coats, neither shoes, as in two pair, nor yet staves, for the workman is worthy of his meat. And into whatever city or town ye shall enter, inquire who in it is worthy, and there abide till ye go thence. And when ye come into an house, salute it. And if the house be worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it be not worthy, let your peace return to you. And whosoever shall not receive you nor hear your words, when ye depart out of that house or city, shake off the dust of your feet. Verily, I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. Father, this morning we are thankful for these instructions given to the apostles as they began their ministry of kingdom offered to the nation of Israel in the day of the Lord Jesus first come. Help us today to glean certainly applications for our own lives, but to be careful to make the distinction that is so often missed in this generation of your named people concerning how to hear and appropriate such a section of the word of God. We thank you for the occasion. We pray that thy blessed spirit would help us and prompt us and stir us as we consider these words of Christ. For we pray in Jesus' name and for his blessed sake, amen. Modern atrocities 
perpetuated against humanity are often cited in comparison to the Jewish Holocaust of World War II. Hitler's Nazism is rightly viewed in modern speech and opinion as the worst of the worst in comparison. Biblically speaking, the zenith of evil corruption, the worst of the worst, from the pre-law era was the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. Those palaces of perversion were soundly and rightly judged of God with fire and brimstone. Astonishingly, Jesus told the 12 apostles that any city rejecting the message of the kingdom brought to them would suffer far greater devastation than the ancient cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. That places a phenomenally stark solemnity on the entire commission of the 12 apostles recorded here. I trust this morning that you are prepared for some serious-minded study of the Word of God and challenge this morning from the Scriptures. The record of the Lord's own compassion previously noted 936 for the Jewish multitudes bound in their sin and scattered by godless leadership was followed by the Lord's command for his followers to pray, 938. To pray for workers in the kingdom opportunity at hand. Jesus was not asking generic prayer for generic purposes. Jesus was asking specific prayer for a specific purpose. Those prayers for a specific purpose were answered. In the commission of 12 selected men to join the Lord Jesus in kingdom proclamation and miraculous confirmation. You're about midway through the Lord's three-and-a-half-year public ministry. He had been working alone, preaching, teaching, healing. And now, at this moment, after a stir of his bowels in compassion towards the lost sheep of Israel, he tells his followers to pray, and that prayer is answered as he selects 12 men to help him in the preaching, teaching, healing process. Last time together, we highlighted the first three or four actions taken by uh, the Lord in this moment of record. Uh, he first called the 12, verse 1, and then he gave to those 12 authority to do 
as he was doing, he then sent them forth. Verse 5a, and is that word sent, apostello, where that we get our modern idea of missions. Today we work with the things that are commanded. Those 12 sent men, as clearly indicated in verses 5 to 15. The Lord's command here addresses precisely what the 12 were to do and how they were to go about doing it. And so the command of the apostles uh, is specific as to what they would engage in doing and how they would go about doing it. So that we don't get bogged down in the sideline explanations when once we get to the matters of the kingdom, what and how, as seen in this text, uh, let me quickly zip through the text with some cultural and wording insights. Verse 6, the word lost, lost sheep of Israel, Uh, The word lost is the same word as found in John 3.16, perish. Should not perish, should not be lost, but have everlasting life. Verse 7, the word preach here is the word of public and official proclamation. It is the word of a king's herald. It is the word that today prescribes pulpit ministry. It depicts exactly the thing that I'm doing this morning during the worship hour at the First Baptist Church of Elto. I am preaching, proclaiming as a representative uh, to the congregation uh, as from the word of God. And uh, the word preach here has to do with that public and official proclamation. Uh, The word freely is also to be seen in the text, verse 8, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out the devils, freely you have received, freely give. Interestingly, that word means undeservedly. You have received something without deserving it, and you are to give it without thinking about the person's worthiness to receive it. Freely you got it, freely give it. Freely it was given, freely distribute it. Without consideration of the person's worthiness. Verse 9, the word purses needs a little clarification. Uh, There's a number in the congregation this morning. uh, But uh, the word purses here literally uh, is uh, a translation of what we know to be the girdle. And today we would say money belt. Money belt. Verse 10, the word script, uh, we would reference as a backpack or a briefcase. Verse 14, the phrase shake off the dust references the common Jewish practice of stopping to remove the dirt from your sandals after walking through Gentile territory. 
Whenever a Jewish person of that period would walk through a Gentile neighborhood, walk through a Gentile country, they would pause when they got through it, take off their sandals, <laughs> click them together to knock the dirt off and put them back on and keep on trucking. It was a symbol of heritage, ethnic heritage, and separation as unto the Lord. And Jesus said that uh, the apostles ought to pay attention to that, uh, that symbolic representation uh, when it comes to the aspect of communicating kingdom truth to people that reject it. Nonetheless, an overview, you have selected men, verse 1, sent, verse 5, having received of the Lord authority and ability and accountability before King Jesus. These men are doing nothing. They are doing absolutely nothing that Jesus hadn't been do doing already for about nine months. They are simply expanding uh, uh, the ministry of Jesus Christ on earth relative to the kingdom offer in that particular time. The instructions given as the apostles head out on their assignment are specific as to time and opportunity. These ambassadors of King Jesus know exactly what they are to do. And they know exactly how they are to go about doing it. The commission and the command yields monumental applications to us all, but only when once we honor the particular time and place which is in biblical view. One of the most frustrating things about the commentators, one of the most frustrating things about modern Christianity is their lack of specificity when reading and studying any particular text in the biblical record. God did not dump his revelation out of the backside of a dump truck. God gave truth over years of time, a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. Hence, the revelation of God as to its meaning in real time must first and foremost be seen in light of the revelation at that time. And Matthew's record here of the ministry of these selected apostles is phenomenally different than the commission and the command given the apostles of our Lord on Ascension Mount, Matthew chapter 28. They are not the same. The work is not the same. The preaching is not the same. And the rules for preaching are not the same. And so when we read a passage like this, we need to recognize the fact there's phenomenal application here to us by way of principle, but honestly, you never get to the application of a passage like this, hardly ever, uh, when you read the commentaries or when you listen to what's generally out there in the bigger, bigger broader bubble of Christianity, uh, you hardly ever get to the applications because there's such a blurring of the lines of time and opportunity. I want you to observe with me the three 
obligations that were assigned those 12 apostles as they pursue the Lord's own objectives. Now, I worked a little bit on that sentence because it really does restrict the study in its parameters. We're looking at three obligations as assigned to the 12 apostles as they pursue the Lord's own objectives. These men are not doing their own thing. They are not doing God their own way. They have been told as to what, and they have been told as to how. And under that banner of two, three, clear obligations are assigned them. Number one, the 12 were obligated to limit their mission. Limit their mission. The apostles were instructed as to their limited mission. Again, verse 5 and 6, these 12 Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles, uh, and into any of the city of the Samaritans enter ye not, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and as ye go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. They were sent out at a specific time with a God-assigned time frame. Uh, we're not exactly told how long that time frame uh, existed, but very soon in our study of Matthew, we will begin to see the Lord Jesus teach relative to the fact that there is a phenomenal transition of time coming because of the rejection of the Jewish people of the kingdom of God in the day of the Lord Jesus. There is to be associated with the mission of the 12 apostles a limited period of time. And then, of course, the more obvious thing is that their mission was limited as to being exclusively for the Jewish people. The instruction is unmistakable. Do not preach the kingdom of God is at hand to the nations. Do not preach the kingdom of God is at hand to the Gentiles. Those would be non-Jewish people. Neither preach the kingdom of God is at hand to those that have a little Jewish blood in them, the Samaritans. The Samaritans were that, that conglomeration of nations and Jewish people uh, based upon the days of exile, uh, the many Gentile people that moved in, beginning with the era of Babylon and thereafter, along with the aspect of uh, Jewish people that remained in the area, and of course eventually interacting and intermarrying and uh, creating, as it were, family units uh, uh, and known uh, to the Jewish people as the Samaritans. Specifically, uh, here, the Lord Jesus commanded his 12 apostles not to preach that message of the kingdom to the Gentiles and not to preach that message 
uh, of the kingdom to those that had Jewish blood in them but were not clearly within the confines of the Jewish family. Boy, that sounds weird to me based upon my commission to preach. That probably sounds weird to you based upon your understanding of, uh, of the gospel of Christ that we preach because uh, we would not uh, see any restrictions at all. And some people sit back and say, well, why would the, why would the Lord restrict the message of the gospel? Uh, at that? He never restricted the, the message of the gospel has never been restricted. The go- message of the gospel has never been restricted. The gospel of the death of Christ for our sins, uh, the burial of Christ, the glorious resurrection of Christ, the promise of a return to Christ has never, never been restricted. But the preaching of the kingdom was. And without that little tidbit of information in your cram, cranium, you don't grasp the ebb and flow of Matthew as the dear man of God is presenting to us Messiah. Matthew's main purpose is not to explain who the Messiah is, although he does a good job at that. Matthew's main purpose is to explain why in the world I am here today standing behind a pulpit of wood preaching to, by and large, Gentile people in Elto. Why are we here? Matthew would explain to us how we got here. And the great purpose of God that was by and large unknown and surely unforeseen that has been created by way of opportunity since the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Nonetheless, here the message is the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus said, don't go north. Don't go south, don't go east, just take this message to the 200 walled cities and villages of Galilee. You 12 men, take the message to Galilee. God's actions towards man always follow his previous communications. God's actions towards man always follow his previous agreements in covenant. Uh, The compassion of the Lord was stirred toward the sinfully weary and forcefully scattered Jewish people. His commission on this occasion was toward them. God ordained that his blessing to the world would flow to and through his chosen People. We have often made emphasis of this whenever noting the promise that was made to Abraham in Genesis 12, 1 to 3. The kingdom message was for the covenant people, the ethnic covenant people of God, the descendants of Abraham. The time had come for Israel to receive her king. That was the time at 
hand. Time for the Jewish nation of Israel to receive her king. Secondly, these men were obligated to focus their ministry. The apostles were instructed as to their focused ministry. Look at 7 and 8 again. As ye go preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils, freely ye have received, freely give. The priority and central responsibility that they were given was, like Jesus, preaching. Preaching, number one, top of the list. The main thing that Jesus did was preach. The main thing that these apostles did was preach. And they preached the same message that had been preached by John the Baptist and the Lord Jesus for the prior months that had led up to this moment. They did not preach the good news that Jesus died for our sins, as we do, for of course you understand he hadn't at that point. They preached to the nation of Israel that their king had arrived. The gospel or good news message was repent, for the kingdom is here. Repent. For the kingdom of God is at hand. This is it, Jewish people. This is it, as the prophets of old forecast it to be. Along with proclaiming the arrival of the kingdom was the validation of that kingdom message by Miracles of affirmation or miracles of confirmation. The apostles did exactly what Jesus had done. Preach and extend help to hurting people of all varieties, whether, in your opinion, they would deserve it or not. The manner of apostolic help to hurting people was to be freely. They were not to pick and choose whom to help. They were to help freely as they went. The word free here means to receive undeservedly. The apostles had received undeservedly of the Lord's authority, and they knew that they were to their Lord accountable. They didn't deserve to serve, but they were selected and equipped by the Lord to serve. They were to give according as they had received. One of America's leading Bible teaching online ministry says of this text, they the apostles received the kingdom of salvation freely, and they were to freely extend it, end quote. Beloved, that's wrong. 
I don't care if it is to be found on one of the leading Bible teaching ministries in all of America online. Uh, that's wrong. Judas was never in the kingdom of God and never saved, period. And what the twelve received was not salvation, but what they received, as the text tells us, was kingdom authority to proclaim the kingdom message and kingdom ability to affirm that kingdom message with confirmation and affirmation. And what Judas, at this point, would inform us is that you can be a great preacher and not be God's child. And you can have tremendous ability to help people and not be God's child. Preaching Christ and serving Christ does not mean you're saved. Wow. How that ought to sober our thinking about those that bring to us the word of God. And as to service, <laughs> what Jesus said, of course, Surely applied to all the apostles. We all would agree Judas didn't deserve that opportunity. But what about John? And what about Peter? And what about James? And what about Bart? Listen, in the view of the Lord Jesus, none of the men deserved their service opportunity. That's why Jesus said to them, freely you have received. And thereby freely give. When you do what you do for God, don't worry about the people's response. When you do what you do for God, don't worry about the people's response. When you do what you do for God, do what you do in obedience to God, period. Many of God's servants, including this one, uh, have been at times discouraged because of lacking response. It's not my problem. It's not your problem. Be faithful to your God. Thirdly, they were obligated to operate with a specific methodology. We would say in modern parlance, modus operandi. The apostles were instructed as to their operational method. I would liken it to business trip mentality. They would not provide for their own meals. They would not provide for their own safety, nor would they even take extra clothing. While on business, in this case while on the king's business, their needs would be met. They were never told how exactly their needs would be met, just that the workers of the king deserve to be well-fed. Obviously, God's own people are engaged in supplying for the workers or servants of the Lord. Later on, Jesus will ask the twelve if any of them lacked anything while on this mission. And in fact, they did not. One of the strangest things to ask someone who's really a Bible student but is steeped 
in the current blur of biblical understanding is to say, why did Jesus in Matthew 10 tell his apostles not to take, not to take, not to take, and then over here uh, in Matthew later, he says, make sure you take it, make sure you take it, make sure you take it. And they will say to you, I don't know, <laughs> because they don't. And it's stupid because they should. You should know it too. Different mission. Different time. Different time at hand. Do you know what time it is? On the big eschatological calendar of God? Do you know what time it is in your life? I can sit back in my chair in these days and say, Oh, I wish the Lord would enable me to run like a deer. I got news for you. I never ran like a deer. <laughs> but even now, that would be a stupid thing to think. Because I don't run at all. Even when people chase me. I don't run. I just stand still. Because it doesn't hurt as bad. I'm just telling you. That you got to know what time it is in your life. What time it is in the world. What time it is in the church. Does the First Baptist Church of Elto know what time it is? I dare say 80% or more of you don't. This is not the church of yesterday. Neither is this the church of tomorrow. What kind of a church do we have here? And are we indeed in this moment pleasing our Lord? Not based upon what we think, but based upon what his word says. These 12 apostles were to stay in the homes of people that received their message and had a good reputation in the community. This is the idea of worthy, as you see it in the text. They were to extend shalom, or peace, to any home where they were received. And in contrast, they were to withdraw their blessing from unresponsive homes and cities, shaking the dust off. Again, that symbolic action directed towards the unresponsive Jewish homes and cities would convey that they were left out of God's kingdom plan. Wow. So is there any shaking the dust off in the gospel era? I'm going to leave that one for you. Three quick applications of this phenomenal section of the word of God. Limited as to time and ethnic emphasis. Focused in a particular way, preaching and healing. And of course, indeed, specified as to its modus operandi or its method, which we could liken to a business trip. When you travel for the company, they pay for the meal. When you travel for the company, they pay the mileage or give you a vehicle to go in. And these 12 apostles were uh, put on the Lord's business. They were engaged in the king's business. Three quick applications. One, the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ is to be proclaimed throughout the world to every tongue and tribe and nation. 
the preaching of the cross, the preaching of Christ as to his death for sins and his glorious resurrection and his promise uh, to return is not limited as to its preaching. But our mission is limited as to its time. The offer of God in Christ unto salvation is not forever. And so any sinner's thought that I can wait a week would be stupid. Any saint's thought that I, I, I can take a month uh, to get my spiritual act together and walk with God once again would be stupid. Because the mission of Christ in this moment of God's calendar is indeed limited as to time. Secondly, the ministry of Christ is still narrowly focused. We preach salvation through Jesus Christ and the demand upon believers to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ exclusively. And thirdly, the Lord still provides for his working servants. Those responsive to the gospel certainly do assist in that provision. Those that reject the gospel are never to be asked to support the gospel ministry. This is one of the reasons why we do not have church bazaars, church raffles, and church fundraisers. Because we seek not a great gift from the Meyer Corporation. Our ministry is dependent upon the fact that whatever God orders, he supplies. And on that basis, we cannot be budget Baptist. The budget should not dictate our ministry ever, ever, ever. It's a guide. Some may see it as a help. I see it as both a help and a curse. But nonetheless, what God orders, God provides. Name me one instance in the Bible or in your experience as a believer where that has not been true. There was a glorious opportunity extended of the Lord for people to receive his goodness and grace but the biblical record will go on to say that few did receive of his goodness and grace. By and large, the Lord Jesus was rejected and with dire consequence. Then and now. Then. The Jewish nation had to face a Roman onslaught just a few years later that would completely destroy the holy earthly city and remove Jewish autonomy in the world. 
today, there is continuing consequences associated with the fact that Israel's one and only king did come and was rejected. The good news for Israel is he's coming again. The good news for you and I as believers is that king is coming again. Today is a glorious opportunity extended to us in Jesus Christ. And we ought to pray for ourselves and for others and each other that God help us to receive of his goodness and grace. He who came comes. And we ought to be tender-hearted recipients of the goodness and grace of God that indeed is being offered to us of God right now. Worse than the perishing of Sodom and Gomorrah, worse than the perishing of the dear Jewish people in the Holocaust, are those that receive opportunity and yet reject King Jesus. Then and now. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Oh God, help us to be a responsive people personally and collectively as a church family, knowing the time on the calendar in thy program as you have revealed it to us, and knowing the time of life in which as individuals we have come. Above all, Lord, today we would praise you and bless your holy name and join the chorus of angelic sounds coming before thy throne. We ask your blessing upon this flock today, even as we depart in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.